Into sports. 20 yards out. Urs shoot. Don't oh, oh, what a goal for Fabinho! Wow! And get into the all-new OTB Sports app. I think when he apologises to me, I probably will say hello to him. Yeah, no. Videos, sports news, live scores, interviews. If Fabregas is going to come up to me in the street and give me some of a mouth that he would have given me on a football pitch, what do we get a slap? Plus exclusive content on the OTB Podcast Network. The biggest names in sports. Ready when you are. Search OTB Sports on your app store and download it now. The OTB Podcast Network. Now you're very welcome back. Aston Villa have taken the lead against Manchester City. 19 minutes gone in that game. It's Aston Villa 1. Man City nil. We're turning to the Olympics. Swim Ireland uh, national team trials this week and yesterday was a very good day for some. We had 19-year-old Daniel Whiffen who knocked 21 seconds off his previous best in the 800-metre freestyle and uh, is Olympics bound. And then Mona McSharry, she broke 67 seconds in the 100-metre breaststroke. She is also Tokyo bound and I'm very happy to say she is on the line with us this evening. Evening, Mona. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Olympian. Mona McSharry. That sounds a hell of a lot better, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it definitely does. It's hmm. it's a dream come true. I think it's still still sinking in slowly. <laughs> Is it relief? Is it elation? Mixture of the two? What's the overriding emotion the last 24 hours? Oh, it's it's definitely a relief. You know, this has been weighing on my mind for, you know, since 2016, really, because um, since then, I, I knew that I was close enough to 2016 to know that I'd definitely be able to make the 2020. Um, and I think just stressing about that and not having an opportunity to show that I can make it until now, um, it's just great to have it done and be able to just enjoy racing again, I guess. <laughs> Breathe again. And how much pressure was on yesterday, as in with regard to Olympic qualification? How many chances would you get? Like if yesterday had gone horribly wrong, and thank God it didn't, but if it had gone horribly wrong, would you have had many more opportunities to qualify for Tokyo? Um, as of the trials, we had the heats, semis, and then the finals. So there was three opportunities, uh, with the last one being uh, just tonight gone by. So I had three chances in the 100 breaststroke, and then I have three chances in the 200 as well to uh, make the time in that. And then uh, they've brought in a new protocol now that if you're close enough but didn't make it at the trials, you can find another FINA-approved meet in June and make it. But thankfully, I don't need to worry about any of that because mm. uh, I've got my ticket. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Okay, so there would have been maybe an opportunity in June. But it doesn't sound like you get a bunch of goes either. It's not like, oh, hey, no biggie, I missed out this week. There was a fair degree of pressure riding on this. Yeah, no, definitely. And for me personally going in, I wanted it to be that this is the only opportunity I didn't I didn't want to think oh it's you know it doesn't really matter how I swim this weekend because I have another chance in June you know I was taking it as this is my only chance and I'm gonna go and do it now because mm. there's no guarantee in June you'll be feeling better I mean you could feel sick in June on the day you need to feel well and suddenly your dream is up in smoke and I mean geez how do you try and get your head around that four-year blow up yeah no definitely um it's you know, it's, I'm, I'm never going to push it off. You know, I, as, as shown, you know, I, I wanted to go for it in the heats, you know, I ran one, I was, I was ready to just do it straight away. And, mm. you know, if I didn't get it, I would have been prepared to come back and do it at, in the final semifinals or the finals. But, um, you know, we, you only get so many opportunities and I wasn't going to throw any of them away. So I was, I was really excited to just get in and go for it in the heats. Am I right in saying you swam even faster in the semifinal than the final? Uh, yes, I did. The final, um, I took a little bit of a different approach and was focusing actually on the first 100 of my 200. 
Uh, so that was a little bit slower, but expected when you know you're swimming a 200 the first 100 is not going to be the same as a, a 100 so yeah that's why that was a little bit slower so what is your strongest event mona um at the moment it is definitely the 100 uh, that's something i've always focused on and i've always been really good at uh, as a junior and going up through the ranks but yeah. i think i i think i believe that i can be a really good 200 breaststroker as well especially with how the 100 semi-final went last night and the way that i swam it was um very much um focusing on distance per stroke rather than speed and tempo and I didn't really have a very high tempo at a lower tempo which is much better suited for the 200 so I'm actually really excited to swim the 200 later this week and see how that goes okay so ideal world am I right in saying in Tokyo you'll be competing in the 100 and then hopefully this week goes well 200 as well in Tokyo yeah that would be amazing you know I I kind of moved away from the 200 over the last few years and really focused in on the 100 and you know that's great and I've qualified in that now so it takes a bit of the stress off but you know if I can if I can qualify in another event that'd be great you know two events at the Olympics would be just amazing. Mm. And I presume it's doable enough is it like I feel like Phelps was in about a gazillion events. <laughs> yeah it's you know it's it's definitely there um, whether I hit it this week uh, I, I'm not sure yet myself because I, I really I feel like I'm still learning with the 200. I'm still learning with the 100 as well, but um, I'm just excited to kind of give it a go and see where I can take it because uh, there's so many different ways that you can swim a race. Yes. Um, and I'm just excited to kind of take the first step, I guess, and see what I can what I can achieve in the 200. And by the way, when I say it seems doable enough, I mean like slob here sitting in a radio studio talking about the Olympics. Doable enough for you, uh, less so for the rest of us. Be absolutely extraordinary um, compared to any normal person. What would be the big difference in the demands of a 100 and a 200 metre race then? Like it always strikes me, it's it's <laughs> the athletes going around the track have this great luxury of a giant clock all the way around and they can pace themselves perfectly. So I presume pacing and all of this kind of stuff comes into it. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, with with the 100, you are pacing to an extent, but it's very much, you know, it's a sprint and yeah. you're giving it your all from the beginning. And in a 200, you have to be a lot more patient. Um, and that's that's something that I struggle with. The way I used to swim a lot of races in the past, 200s, 100s, is go out kind of as fast as possible and hang on. Uh, mm. I'm not a great pacer. Um, and I like to be ahead. So I've been really trying to work and I've been trying to work on, you know, holding back a bit and then, you know, trusting that I know how I'm going to swim the race and don't care about what anyone else is doing around me. But it is it is very difficult, especially when you don't know what's going on. You know, yeah, you can't see a clock. You're All you're doing is, you know, for me, all I'm doing is counting strokes hmm. um, in breaststroke. But that's, you know, I, I can't really tell what the time is from that. Okay, and I presume in those milliseconds where you come up above the water in the breaststroke, there's no glancing at a clock there? No, oh, definitely not. Um, there's no glancing anywhere. It's <laughs> up and down as, as quick as possible. Get the air and then back into a streamlined position. <laughs> mm. And would you know from uh, picking the brains of coaches or, or talking to other swimmers, in terms of, say, the 200 metres, would the, the world's best be kind of go flat out merchants and then hang on towards the end? Or would the world's best tend to pace themselves, i.e., you know, set a decent pace, but keep something in reserve for a kick towards the end? Or, or does it vary? Uh, I think it varies a lot because especially with breaststroke, there's there's a lot of different ways you can swim it. You know, I'm very kick dominant. Um and I don't use my upper body as much, whereas you'll have other swimmers like, you know, for the likes of Adam Peaty, who 
are a lot more like he has a very powerful kick, but he gets so much from his pull as well. Mm. So, you know, it depends on where the propulsion is for that swimmer firstly. And then, you know, you have swimmers that will go out really slow in the first hundred and then just switch it up and hit a completely different tempo and really catch people. Mm. And then you have other swimmers like me who prefer to almost be ahead and just try and keep the lead. But um, I think it's, it's honestly what works for, you know, that swimmer. And it's so varied across the board. You can swim in a million different ways and you just have to find what works for you. And will you be working on trying to improve your pull as opposed to your kick or, or is it generally accepted as okay to be, to have one dominant over the other? I think, you know, I've, I've definitely come a long way from what I used to do. You know, my, um, you know, back three or four years ago, my motto for swimming breaststroke was just, you know, bring my arms around as fast as possible so that I can then get kicking again, you know, mm. like not wasting any time trying to catch because it really didn't do a lot for me. And I've, I've worked a lot over this year, making sure that I'm feeling the water a little bit more. Um, and I, you know, I, I do have a good pull, but I'm just, I think I'm always going to be a kick dominant breaststroker. And, mm. you know, it, it is quite a kick dominant stroke to begin with, but you know, for me, I think that's just the way that I swim it. And I'm just good at swimming it that way. Hey, look, it's working for you. I mean, your semi-final time in the 100 yesterday, I think, was seventh on the current world ranking. So, I mean, you're operating at a brilliant level. Has training gone pretty well over the last year, 18 months? Obviously been strange times, but has your fitness been good? No injuries? Yeah, no, training has been uh, really good. And I've been blessed training in Tennessee this year. We've been, um, I've had enough, you know, I've been training with 40 plus other ladies, um, and we're all in a bubble together, coaches and uh, treatment and everything. You know, I could have everything I need um, and I don't have to step outside the bubble. So it's been it's been really safe um, and I haven't really missed any training, which is great. Mm. That's Tennessee University. You're in college over there. Yes, I am. Yeah. Great. What are you studying? Um, I'm currently undecided. I, I can stay in the undecided program for the first two years until I decide what I want to do. So I'm just doing a lot more. Uh, gen eds at the moment like stuff that my grades from the leaving cert didn't really carry over they don't accept them so i have to do that stuff anyway um to graduate in four years so it, i'm just getting all that stuff done and then when i decide what i want to do i guess i'll make that decision wow that's nice they don't rush you it gives you that kind of little bit of space to think and yeah figure yeah, out no, who you are right. yeah what's on the menu or what's on the the um the shortlist um, it's definitely going to be something biology related. Um, I've leveled it down that far, animal science, biology, something along those lines. Uh, I'm probably going to end up keeping it pretty general. Um, it'll probably just be a general biology course because then I can do a lot of different smaller stuff within that that kind of supplement all that I want to do because I don't have a specific um, job in mind yet. So I'm just going to keep it pretty general, I think. Mm, brilliant. I presume Tennessee, big sports university, great swimming facilities, good swimming program. Yeah, um, just amazing. Like the facilities that they have over there is just, you know, next to none. I suppose from what I'm used to anyway, you know, like we have um, two 50 meter pools. Not that you need them. You only need the one, uh, <laughs> which is great. We have <laughs> at least one <laughs> uh, outdoor pool, indoor pool, you know, 25 yards and 25 meters. So it's we have it all there and it's in such close proximity, which is, you know, just amazing. And it's, it's, it's really, um, it's really nice to be able to study on campus and live on campus and just be able to have everything so close. Do you compete against other universities then? 
Yeah, I do. Um, I just finished up the collegiate season for this year about a month ago. We competed at NCAAs. I presume in normal times when people are allowed in, those are pretty raucous events. I mean, I look, I guess the football seems to loom large and they can fill 80,000 seater stadiums for college football matches. But I get the impression college students will go along and support everything and have a few beers. And um, there's probably a pretty good atmosphere, I would think. Yeah, no, definitely. And listening to the girls talk about previous years, you know, even watching videos, um, you know, you can see the passion, but, you know, even there was no spectators this year allowed, which was, which was definitely sad. But, you know, for me, it wasn't something I was used to anyway. So I didn't really miss it as much as some of the older girls on the team, but even within the team, you don't even need spectators because of all the ladies that are cheering, you know, like, um, you could ha- you're ra- you could be next racing up and you're still cheering for the person in the heat before you that's on your team, which I just think is is amazing. And it's it's not something that's done um, enough, I think, in mm. other places, you know, just supporting each other mm. um, and not getting so bogged down on your race. And I know it's important to concentrate. And, you know, I'd be one that has a very set routine before my race and I like to follow it. But mm. I think that this year has really helped me kind of step outside that a little bit and just enjoy the moment and cheer for others and, you know, get energy from watching other people do well. And I think that's something that Americans know how to do really well, especially in the collegiate system. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I guess, well, again, in normal times, it's good practice to be operating in a loud, raucous environment if you're going to an Olympics as opposed to suddenly being ambushed by the whole thing. Interesting, you um, said you have a strict routine. That's generally to guard against nerves as much as anything. Are you nervous type? Um, I am if, you know, if I'm sitting around like anyone else and, you know, letting my mind think about it, I think I do get a little bit nervous. I've definitely gotten a lot better at um, training myself mentally so that I'm a lot more calm and visualization has helped with that too so that I know what I'm going there to do, visualizing your race and then having done it in your head, you know, you know, you can do it. Um, but I think, yeah, having a set routine is just amazing. You know, even the the day before the, um, the hundred breaststroke there, I was, I was very busy with college work, which was amazing because it just kept me distracted. And then the morning of, you know, I woke up four hours before my race. And from then I have a routine in place um, that kind of allows for the majority of the time. And it doesn't really give me time to to think and stress about my race. And it's just great. Yeah, it makes sense. What are some of the pillars of your routine? Um, well, like I said, getting up four hours before my race would be one that I find very important because you want to be alert. And I think sometimes that's, that may be why athletes don't compete as well in the morning because you're not fully awake yet. Okay, so, so if, you've, if, you've get... a, if you've an 8, 9 a.m. race, you're up four hours. Yeah, yeah. Any Which, you know, worked well really here for this meet because I was, I think I was racing at like 10.55, so I didn't have to get up that early. But okay. um, in Tennessee, we as a full team get up and do group warm-ups four hours before um, the first events and so not even your event, which is, you know, is great, but it really got me into the mindset of that. And then I guess, you know, you have your breakfast and then I arrive two hours beforehand at the pool. And then from that point, it's just rolling into my, you know, normal pool routine. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do before every race. And then I guess it's a little bit different for the evening times. But yeah, it's it's pretty set, which I like. Yeah. So look, this is an amazing thing to be going to an Olympic Games, very special, very select group. What's the first games you really remember? What, what, what were the first games that grabbed you? Um, I definitely remember watching 2012 and seeing Ruta, uh, who was a 
a really good 100 breaststroke back then and I think she was only 15 and she won the 100 breaststroke at the age of 15 and I think just just watching that um was just um, unbelievable for me that's you know I didn't I didn't watch all the swimming for the 2012 but I did watch you know the 100 breaststroke and because that was an event that you know I like to swim and I guess watching her do it at such a young age was just so inspiring because you know she seemed like she was a, I could kind of relate to that a lot more than someone who's 21, 22. Um, and that, that was kind of my first moment. Uh, and I guess from that, that point on then, you know, 12, 13 year old, year old me was thinking, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be there. I'd like to be at the Olympics. Mm, yeah. Jeez. It's happened double quick time. What I mean, it's, it's so young, 15 to be, you know, winning gold at London 2012. And you're, I think you're turning 21 ahead of the games this year. These days, what age would you be perceived to be at your peak? What will, you, you know, I guess it could vary, of course, but received wisdom or, or the general feeling out there, when will you be in your peak years? Um, you know, it's it's hard to tell, but I see a lot of swimmers that, you know, between the age of 21, you know, even like 22, 23, up to about 26, 27, and then even further when they continue, you know, it really, it really does depend. But I think that, you know, you will have those young superstars, you know, like Ruta who wins at the age of 15. And, you know, like I swam really, like I swam a 107 one four years ago and, you know, went 0.2 faster today and was, and that was a, a qualification time for the Olympics and then went faster again. But, you know, so it just shows that I was quite speedy at a young age too, but I think um, I'm, I'm, going for the 2024 Olympics when I'm about, you know, 23, 24, I think that's going to be my prime personally. Mm. Um, and I think that's the same for a lot of athletes that you see. Great. Well, listen, uh, what a fun four years ahead, I guess. Um, something to really look forward to. Big congratulations again. So going to the Olympics, like we said, uh, we look forward to watching you in a couple of months time. Hope preparation goes great in the meantime. Mona McSherry, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us, Mona. Thank you so much. Cheers. Mona McSherry there, who you'll be watching at the Olympics in uh, Tokyo. The OTB Podcast Network.